Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go all right we are live you can see uh dennis and matt here with me we are live on twitter twitch youtube and facebook i think i haven't said facebook yet uh it is a beautiful monday june 29th almost july feels like this year is surprisingly going by very fast with everything going on dennis matt how was your weekend how you guys doing today well i'll tell you fellas uh when you get to be of a certain age they all go by fast (laughs) well you know i I was gonna say our friend dennis there posted a huge uh, milestone post on twitter yesterday if you guys didn't see it and I just want to take this time to say I'm very proud uh, to be on the show with you and the, the great example that you're setting for folks out there. Very excited for you. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, it it hasn't always been easy. Uh, it's fairly easy nowadays, but uh, there have been some ups and downs. And uh, I, I, I'm happy that my wife stuck with me through it and, uh, you know, we've got a lot of good things going on in life right now and uh coronavirus beside you know everything else is going pretty well yes to match like the serious note i'll go somewhat uh light-hearted here congratulations on that nice you had a very nice butt on there as well the other day I did. so i appreciate that was it tasty. Good. well I appreciate that nice little butt online for us you know, and, and just talking about alcoholism and drug abuse. So one of the things that 
when people first find out a lot of the time, they're like, oh, my God, wait a minute. Oh, let me put this away. And, and I, I, I want to reassure people that, you know, when we get together and have meet and greets for the industry and whatnot, I'm OK to go to a bar. I'm in a good spot. I, I have a support system. And just because I have a problem with alcohol and drugs doesn't mean the rest of the world does. There, there's certainly many people out there who do and feel free to reach out uh, if, if that's your need. My DMs are open, but I, I get it. I, I'm not I, I'm not, you know, what we call an earth person when it comes to drugs and alcohol. I, you know, I can't it, there. It's like lays to me. I can't have just one. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a bad thing. I think we've all known people that have unfortunately struggled with, with stuff like that. And it's good to see, like you, you posted 20 years sober and clean. That's, that's really cool. So we are, we are very happy for you. Very proud of you. As, as you mentioned, it's a daily struggle. We're glad at least on Mondays and Thursdays, we can somewhat help you with that. Although we might, you know, might, we might be the cause of the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You might turn to Jackie on Mondays and Thursdays. And be like, God, I hate these two guys right here. So. All right, let's talk about uh, Cam Newton. We were just talking off air. Matt was all excited about Jared Stidham, and then Cam Newton decided to come out and kind of ruin all those uh, Jared Stidham truthers uh, weekends this weekend as he signed with the New England Patriots for one year. I didn't see much. I know it's an incentive-laded deal. Did anybody see it? Up to $7.5 million is, is what yeah. he can make. So he can make up to seven point five million. I mean, I, I kind of feel like it was almost a no brainer. We we had kind of talked about it earlier in the offseason as one of the places he could go. It had to be a deal like this because New England is kind of strapped uh, with their money toward the cap. It's a good thing for us. We haven't talked about the AFC East yet, so that all we can go a little bit more in depth when we get there. But uh, what percentage would you guys lean on Cam getting the job for the New England Patriots to start the season? I I'd say. As long as he's healthy, it's his job to lose. Yeah, ninety-nine point nine percent. Okay, I wasn't sure. I, I saw some people out there who's still kind of banging the drum for Stidham. I, I agree with both you guys. I think outside of us, outside of an injury. It's well, you games. know what's what's frustrating is they, they said they've been working on this deal for weeks, more than a month, and I'm like, you guys, it's been out there just for like months talking about how oh. Bill completely confident in Stidham and Hoyer. And we're like, it doesn't make sense, but okay, must see something. And like, no, we've been working on this for like 10 weeks. We just finally got it done. Okay, that makes more sense. So we unfortunately already gave our quarterback rankings. We finished him up last Thursday. So now knowing that Cam Newton's going to be in New England, where would you guys rank him just roughly right now in your quarterback ranks? Probably somewhere in the – 10 to 15, 12 to 16 with, with some upside. Uh, you, you know, he, he could, the person he may damage this year is Sony Michelle. If he gets back into that, every time we're inside the 20, I'm going to take it myself. And Cam ends up with eight or nine rushing touchdowns. And Sony comes, Sony's 900 yard, 10 touchdown season becomes a, 850-yard, two-touchdown season. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to say, for me, he's a middle to lower QB2 for the time being. Um, a, you know, he didn't look good and couldn't stay on the field last year, but he got injured in 2018, couldn't come off. I think we had thought a lot of the reason uh, we hadn't seen him signed is nobody's exactly sure 
what he has, you know, how healthy he is. Um, you know, the team that obviously would have seen the most out of them, Carolina, didn't have any compunction with signing Bridgewater to $63 million deal and setting him free. And the second for me is Stidham was lower in our rankings where we had him, not just because we've never seen anything from him, but because I don't think quarterback was the only problem New England had last year. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of, it was like a mixed reaction on Twitter yesterday. Some people saying we're about to have a Patriots Buccaneers Super Bowl, and some people saying, hey, Cam Newton inherits the worst set of receivers and running backs in the NFL. I think it's probably somewhere in between, but, you know, he's still going out there with Edelman's 34, has been pretty decent, but we don't know where he's at. We have no idea what they're going to do at tight end. Mo Sanu coming off of a an injury, you know, to his foot. We don't know what they're going to have there. Nikhil Harry still kind of a mystery. The depth chart beyond that, you know, do you believe Marquise Lee is going to come back from missing, what, three or four seasons for the Jaguars and look like he did for, what, a few months at one point in time? So there's still, you know, a lot of questions about what they're going to do there. I don't know if I'm ready to see, you know, some people were talking about, well, Newton's easily going to finish over Brady. He doesn't have anywhere near the weapons they have in Tampa Bay, and in my opinion, he doesn't have as good of an offensive play caller either. Because I am not a Josh McDaniels believer. We saw, we've seen the Patriots win seventeen fourteen and be content to do that. Just because they have Cam Newton doesn't mean they're not going to be content to try to do that. Well, I, I think with Cam, one of the things to look at is who were the wide receivers he had in his MVP season. Corey Brown. He had I mean, everyone's hero, Kevin Benjamin. Uh, Ted, I think wasn't it Corey Brown, Ted Ginn? You know, did he have, it, Kevin, did he have Kevin Funches at that point, or was Funches maybe it was maybe it was Funches. Funches. So yeah, it's it you know it it wasn't. But he had Greg Olson though. Yeah, so I, I think had, that it, Edelman. It, it, when you take Edelman, who's who. Edelman has a concrete role and takes up a concrete space in an offense. Um, I think Nikhil Harry is going to – Harry becomes the deep threat, in my opinion. I, I think you have Edelman short, Sanu intermediate. Harry is the deep threat, and Jacoby Myers is the four. And then you have James White probably with 90 targets out of the backfield. So as receivers that season, you are correct. Corey Brown, Ted Ginn, Olson, Ed Dixon. Um, he didn't even have Kelvin Benjamin. I was wrong about that. He had Jericho Cotchery. The man, that's bad. So yeah, I mean, I'm not. Uh, you know, I I, I kind of feel like he the, did have uh, punches too. I was the, I just found the, him the the Patriots stack up pretty well against that group. I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you on the – I don't think he's – only reason I could see him having a better season than Brady is because of the rushing. And like Dennis said, if he gets a bunch of those touchdowns down in the end zone like we've seen him do in Carolina, I think he'll be able to get over Brady just because of we, what we talked about in the quarterback episode. That rushing and those rushing touchdowns mean a lot. Uh, but I'm with you on the throwing and passing touchdowns. I think obviously the, he's Brady's got much better weapons than Tampa. That, that's not even an argument. All right, so does that make New England the favorite in the East now? Are we all kind of jumping off Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills all of a sudden? Everybody was kind of talking about them 
having the 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 East in the bag, and now the Patriots sign Newton. Are they right back to being the favorites again? Well, I I feel like the winner of the East was probably going to be a nine and seven team before, and it's probably going to be a nine and seven team now. It's it's. It could be it, maybe it goes from Buffalo at nine and seven to New England at nine and seven, but I, I, I don't know if I'm. There's not a, a there's there's a lot of stuff going on there that needs to get worked out in in that division. I, I'm still gonna pick Buffalo right now. I think they were really close to being able to, uh, you know, eclipse New England at times last year. Both their games were really close. Um, and New England didn't just lose, you know, Tom Brady. They lost quite a few marquee names on defense, too. So they have some rebuilding to do there. If New England won the division, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me because they have an incredible uh, head coach who's been able to rebuild. But I think at this point, I still think Buffalo enters the season, to me, as the team I think has the best chance. All right, before we talk about the Rams, one little trivia question for you guys really quick. You might already know the answer. Um, So there are only two QBs right now that have multiple games against Bill Belichick and the Patriots and have beaten them and have not lost. They are undefeated against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. One is Cam Newton, who is 2-0. Who is the other? He played for your beloved Denver Broncos, Matt. I will give you that hint. And Arizona, but I feel like I may have just given too much away. Who's active now? Yeah, he won. He won. uh, I didn't go all the way look at it. He's 4-0 against the Patriots, and he beat the Patriots in the regular season and in the playoffs in one season. He played in Denver and Arizona? Arizona. I don't think you guys will get it. It is not a name that jumps to mind. The only reason I know this is because I heard it today. Denver and Arizona. I'm trying to think of who. Boy, if I the time it, it, if I had if I had a music, I'm gonna see. Uh, I know I don't think he played in 2006. I believe when I was looking at that, Danny Cannell was the quarterback for the Broncos in 2006. No, it may have been before that. 2004. Danny Cannell played oh, Jake for him. He Plummer. Got Jake Plummer is the correct answer. Yes, he's not active. No, I didn't say active. Yeah, I just, asked, I just asked you, was he, oh, is he no, active? And you said, yeah. That's oh, what I'm like trying that. to think who is. My bad. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you ask the question. I was just saying there there were two QBs. Yeah, because uh, no, I didn't hear you Jake, say active, Jake Plummer for Denver was the one that led us into the AFC championship game in 2005, where yes. it was Tom Brady's first playoff loss. Champ Bailey picked Brady in the end zone and returned it almost 100 yards. That was one of our best teams and then they rewarded him by drafting Jay Cutler and his confidence yeah. went right into the shitter and yeah. he was out yeah, I don't know I didn't I didn't hear you ask that so I, yeah, I, I asked active because I was trying to think anybody who's actually currently that's why I guess Flacco because of active quarterbacks when he was with Baltimore they sometimes had better success against New England all right, let's talk about the Rams. Let's knock out – after today, we'll be finally done with the NFC and get to jump on to the AFC conference starting next week. So Los Angeles Rams finished 9-7 and seven and missed the playoffs last year. 
what kind of Rams team do you guys expect in 2020 with all the changes we have seen on offense and the ton of players they have brought in on defense? I, I think it's going to be a, a touch conservative on offense. Um, you know, they still have some good weapons in Cup and Robert Woods, Tyler Higby. They'll have to sort out their running backs. I, I, I don't expect anybody to to get all of the touches that uh, Gurley had. So I think that if if you essentially if you take Gurley and um, Brown and Henderson from last year, probably Brown will have the more similar twenty twenty to his uh, 2019. I think Henderson's usage will go up and, and Akers being a better at be, just being a good athlete and a high draft pick is going to get a shot. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a very competitive uh, division. Um, so I, I think, I think the Rams are not going to be demonstrably worse than they were last year. The question is whether they, you know, take a step up, maybe have some better luck. Uh, I know that with the opening of their, they're supposed to open their new stadium could give them some, some, uh, some encouragement. But what has me a little weary is we have yet to see a team that does hard knocks in the off season, have a uh, successful going through the season. And since the Rams and the chargers are doing hard knocks, that has, if I was a Rams fan, I'd be a little bummed. That's why I secretly pray against Denver being on hard knocks every year. Hey, the Browns had their most successful season in a long time that year that they were on hard knocks, so you and never still, know. And still we're not a playoff <laughs> team, though. That's true, that's true, but, you know, they were successful, and, and that's all that matters in my The eyes. last time the Rams did hard knocks, they got their coach fired, so. Well, I mean, that, I mean. Should he have been their head coach, though? I think that's the real question we should be asking. So Jeff Fisher has been to and lost as many Super Bowls as uh, Sean McVay. So Goff threw the ball 626 times last year, which is pretty high. Yeah. I, I, I would bet that they're probably going to try to bring that down. I mean, he had an, mm. 22 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. The interceptions were kind of high. I think it, their, if, if I'm throwing it, their defense almost didn't exist though last year. So that's the real question. Yeah, I, they they I don't think they came into it like, hey, we're going to throw the ball a billion times. But I mean, think about some of those games were in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, they uh, they rushed the ball 401 times, with Gurley getting 223 of them. So you know, I could see Brown, you know, in the 80 carry range. And that's going to leave, what, 280 carries to split between uh, Henderson and Akers. So I could see them, you know, like a 130 and 180 or something like that. I know that's higher than the number, but I feel like they're going to try to run it more. So 150, 120 kind of split. Uh, Cam Akers is one of the new additions you just mentioned there. Uh, second round pick in the draft this year. They also took Van Jefferson, a uh, wide receiver in the oh, second round pick. Bryce Hopkins, the tight end in the fourth round. And really all of their free agents have been defensive. They have not done much on the offense outside of bringing back Andrew Whitworth. 
Uh, some of their losses, they cut Todd Gurley. They cut JoJo Nats, and I only mentioned that because he went to the Browns, so I thought that was kind of a cool move for them. Uh, and then they traded Brandon Cooks of uh, their expiring contracts at the end of this season. Cooper Cup, Josh Reynolds, Gerald Everett, Joshua Kelly, Malcolm Brown, and, of course, the guy they gave up all those picks for, Jalen Ramsey. Fantasy finishes last year, Goff, QB 15 with 248.3 points. Todd Gurley, RB 12 with 195. Cooper Cup, wide receiver 7 with 201.1 points. Robert Woods, wide receiver 21, 170.8. Brandon Cooks, wide receiver 62 with 91 points. Josh Reynolds, wide receiver 91 with 54.1 Gs. And then Tyler Higby, tied in 10 with 107.5 points. Is this what we should expect from Goff to stick around the QB 15 number moving forward for his career? I feel like he's kind of a middle of the road talent um, at, at times. If everything is going right for them, he's going to have a couple good years. So it'll be curious to see how long they stick with him. It's a, uh, you know, McVeigh went from being a genius to being an idiot to being competent, and I think he was probably just competent all along. Uh, so he's going to have to now – They the Rams have to work themselves out of their pretty terrible cap situation. They have the 28th fewest uh, cap space – 28th lowest cap space in the NFL, so they're going to have to take a couple years and, and – try to work that out. I, that's why I think everybody was shocked when they did the, the Ramsey trade. Um, but if they can, if they can get their cap space under control, then they're going to have to go and invest in their offensive line. And if their offensive line comes together, maybe then it boosts uh, golf up to the 10 to 12 range. But I, I, I kind of feel like he's a 14 to 18 kind of guy. Yeah, I kind of agree on the range there. I think, it's interesting with the Rams, you knew when they announced their kind of move to Los Angeles and that they were building this big stadium, it seemed like they were trying to time it right to peak uh, at that point in time. And it feels like they peaked too early. They kind of went from zeros to Super Bowl and then splash out these huge contracts on just a ton of uh, players they're almost like Oprah giving away something at the end of a at end of a show is like you get a contract you get a contract and I they still are going to have a you know work to do after this even with the ones that they've moved and now kind of with Ramsey they're obviously going to have to pay him or let him walk we've seen them kind of cycle through some high profile talent and stuff you know, especially on, on defense, you know, they brought in Marcus Peters, they brought in Aqib Tlaib, they got rid of Marcus Peters, they got rid of Aqib Tlaib, they got Jalen Ramsey. You know, on offense, they went and traded for Brandon Cooks. Now they've moved Brandon Cooks. They gave Todd Gurley a huge contract. They cut Todd Gurley, and now they're trying to use young running backs. And Jared Goff, you know, I think it, when we were talking about the consistency guy, he probably had a better season than we thought of last year because they just weren't a great team. I still just don't know. For fantasy, he's always been okay, pretty solid QB too. My reservations about Goff are, is he the guy you want in a game that's really important? Yeah. I mean, you know, referring back to the salary cap, 
the Rams have almost 34 million in a dead cap in 2020. That's third most in the NFL. Golly, there's still two teams. And we, the team. we forget. Jackson and Carolina, Jacksonville and Carolina, and the Patriots are fourth at 24 million. We forgot uh, the Rams' probably most devastating offensive loss is that they let Legatron go to the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think you can underestimate that, you know, kicker, we don't talk about a lot, but he was one of those kickers that to me was a huge difference maker. I would think that's going to be an interesting swing. You know, when you have a guy that's. I mean, he sent him to the Unintended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you have a guy that's deadly from that kind of a distance. You feel more comfortable trotting out and knowing you're going to get three points. Does this mean at times they are more aggressive on offense, like you see from teams that have that have been in kicking purgatory? So Akers played behind one of the worst offensive lines in college. Uh, he's going to one of the worst prepared him for lines. the NFL. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he he seems prepared for his job now with the Rams. However, some people are very high on Henderson still and think that he might actually be. Uh, the guy to start over Acres. Which way do you guys lean? Well, I wrote about Henderson, so I, I think I established my position. Well, All recap right. it for everybody. Yeah. I I mean, I think people have given up on Henderson. I think that you're right that they're probably both going to split. But, uh, you know, he Henderson is super cheap. Yeah. Drafts now because everybody just assumes Acres is going to be the new Todd Gurley and Todd – you know, Daryl Henderson died because he didn't do anything last year. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yeah, I, I think the challenge for Henderson was that the offensive scheme didn't suit his talents. And you saw them start to change that a little bit at the end of last season. I I feel like drafting Cam Akers, he didn't necessarily fit the scheme either. And so that may be sort of foreshadowing of them adjusting how they're going to run their offense. They're going to, they, it looks like they're going to adjust to accommodate Henderson and Akers' skill set, which could make them more explosive on the ground. Uh, I, I think Henderson does have some talent, and him and Akers could re- make a nice one two punch this season. Uh, it'll all come down to does their offensive line hold up? The real question, too, is Malcolm Brown's still there, and you know we don't like to think or, or talk about him, but he was a dream crusher last year. You know, we, A lot of people were, oh, Henderson's going to come in every time they need to spell Gurley. That was not always the case, and right. that was a real bummer sometimes. So you never know with McVay you know, where he's going to pull a Malcolm Brown, C.J. Anderson, throw you the finger. I mean – I guess the unfortunate thing for Brown is that he's just not as talented as Henderson and Akers. I mean, he's he's the epitome of a journeyman offensive or running back. You know, he's solid. He's not going to make mistakes. You know, that's he, that's really the thing he has going for him is he's not going to make mistakes. Uh, he, he's capable when it comes to catching the ball, but he's not going to be explosive like Akers or, or Henderson. And, if he gets a if he gets a nice hole, he, he's going to run the play like it's executed, and, and he can do good. But he's he's not a game changer from the running back position. So what you're saying is solid is good in a dining room table, but not so much in a running back. I, I think it depends on what your offense is doing. You know, it's it, it's one of those things that I, I 
I like Brown okay. I just think that yeah. when push comes to shove, he's going to be in there when it's imperative that a mistake is not made because you've got a rookie who's going to have to learn the offense. And for all intents and purposes, a guy going into his second year that looks like he struggled to look, pick up the offense, uh, but he, he did show improvement. And so if you if you need to be 100% sure, I know this guy's going to hit this hole and get me this many yards, or he's going to make this block and keep my quarterback alive, uh, or he's going to be able to make this chip and get open in the flat. Uh, I know this for sure. It's going to be Malcolm Brown. So that's where I think his 80 to 100 touches come from. And that kind of, you know, that kind of reminds me um... – of Denver a couple of years ago, they had drafted uh, Royce Freeman and they had signed Philip Lindsay and they were clearly better runners, but you saw they just kept Devo- giving Devonte Booker the goddamn well, ball, but they put Devonte Booker in there. I think for a lot of the reasons you're talking about, especially right. the blocking thing, every time, you know, it was like a crucial third down Booker was in there and not even so much because they wanted to throw him the ball, but because they like, like you were saying, trusted that he was not going to let his quarterback get assassinated. Right. Yeah, I think it's been, it's been an interesting camp battle to watch, especially hopefully when we get training camps here now in a little less than a month. Um, because Henderson kind of has some high draft capital as well. Everybody keeps talking about the draft capital with Acres, and I mean they did take him as their first pick uh, in this draft, this past draft in the second round. But Henderson was the third round pick as well, so it's not like he was a fifth or sixth round pick. So he has a little bit of draft capital behind him as well. Uh, I'll be interested to see both those. I think I'm. I'm kind of on your side, though, Matt. I mean, with as cheap as you can get Henderson, I might just try and take him and, and see what I can get out of him, especially in a best ball format. Uh, we know Brandon Cooks is now gone. He is with the Houston Texans, right? Remember that correctly? Yep. He's yep. in Houston, Houston. now? Yeah. yeah. Um, do we see any step up from Woods at all? He's been a guy who's consistently finished as a wide receiver, too. Is a, we talked about on previous episodes, he continually gets disrespected. Uh, do we see any kind of step up from him, or do you think it goes more toward Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds? Well, I mean, Woods had 139 targets and 90 receptions last year. You could argue that the Brandon Cooks uh, fade-out really began last year because Cooks, by comparison, only had 72 targets and 42 receptions. I think that's about the space you would figure a Josh Reynolds-Van Jefferson third receiver combo is going to get going to do it seemed like last year woods and cup were the the two guys both of them over 130 targets it's hard to imagine he's going to get that much more for me yeah it was it was the uh brandon cooks push out not the brandon cooks fade out i i think they made a conscious decision that they were trying to run more to tight end um they they like everett uh, and higby has really stepped up so I can see them running more 12 personnel um, when you have a, a second tight end that's as athletic as uh, Everett. Um, Jefferson, I, you know, he's coming in as a rookie. He's He's got a little bit of a pedigree, but he also is still a rookie with a truncated training camp. Um, so I expect Woods and, and Cup both to be up there probably in the top 15 top 17 uh, of wide receivers. It, I'm not too concerned with Robert Woods's production. I, I, 
I think you you can draft him comfortably as your wide receiver too. Yeah. So Woods finished in PPR. I'm looking at ESPN's PPR scoring for wide receiver 14 last year. Um, you know, so that seems about right. To in full PPR. About. Yep. Full PPR. Okay. Do you guys think Cooper Cup can finish as a top 10 wide receiver again? And do you think he possibly comes back? Or is this his last year with the Rams? Man, that's a tough one because him and Goff, I, I think he can finish as a top 10 because Goff trusts him. Yeah. So he he's the he is the number one receiver there. There's there's no disputing that. So he can uh, what what he in half PPR last year uh, through sixteen games he finished as the the wide receiver four. He was yeah. wide receiver four in full PPR too. So top, I, can he finish top ten? Yeah, because he's we've seen it. He's done it. Um, the challenge that's in front of him when it comes to returning is going to be: Does LA have room under the cap for him? And it looks I like don't know. The big difference between him and Woods last year was touchdowns. Cup got 10, Woods got 2. One finished wide receiver 4, one finished wide receiver 14. If they kind of meet closer to the middle, which seems a little more likely, you know, you could have both of them on the fringe of being wide receiver ones. Yeah, they continue to talk about the disrespect poor old Woods gets, unfortunately. Um I know you just mentioned Everett Higby a second ago, Dennis. Do you do you either one of you think Everett can affect Higby's fantasy value at all, or did Higby establish himself as the fantasy and go-to tight end for the Rams last year? Uh, I feel pretty confidently that he's established himself. Yeah. Um, he's he's out there. Can can Everett play a big role and, and produce good numbers? He can. But it's gonna come if you're in one if you're in uh, eleven personnel or thirteen personnel, then or wait eleven. Let's see. Yeah, if you're in if you're in eleven or four wide, uh, it's gonna be Higby. If you're in twelve personnel, it's Higby and Everett. Uh, Occasionally, I think Everett may line up as the fourth wide receiver in a five wide set, but or four running four wide receivers. So it's it's one of those situations uh, that Higby is going to have the most points over the course of the season. I think Everett is going to be the boom bust guy. I think Higby yeah. will be m- more reliable, but you, you're going to have games where Everett might have a six for ninety and two touchdowns, where Higby will be more consistently, you know, six for seventy five and you know, averaging a half a touchdown a game or something. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you saw both of them contribute at times last year. I'm solidly Team Higby if you're talking about drafting for fantasy. But Everett managed to get 60 targets, 37 receptions, over 400 yards last year. And I think the question of, you know, how much of a role Everett can play is going to end up, who is that third wide receiver for the Rams? How many targets are they getting? Are they a closer approximation of what – Cooks was last year going down, and how much do they get the running backs involved in going? Uh, you know, and to Dennis's point, do they throw a little bit less? You know, are they a little bit of a better uh, team? Because I think you know we know it, it, that 
Cook, that Cup and Woods are, are going to get theirs, both of them over 130 targets last year. I think Higby is the, the next kind of man in the pecking order. And then below that, there's quite a few guys that could ebb and fall. Um, Everett's just not a guy I'd want to have to rely on week to week. All right, let's talk about some over-unders. Over being bad, under being good. Jared Goff, QB 14 in 2020, over or under? I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over as well. As will I. His ADP is 149. He is currently the 16th QB off the board. Just ahead of him, Matt Stafford, Daniel Jones, and Aaron Rodgers. Are you taking him over any of those three? I am not. No. You know, I could – no. I was going to say there there may be a time where I might pull the trigger on Rodgers um, and, and take him take him over Rodgers. But, no, I, I like Stafford and Jones. Rodgers all better than him. Agreed. Right behind him, Drew Locke, Sam Darnold, and Kirk Cousins. Are you taking any of those three over uh, golf? I'm probably taking, taking Locke and Darnold. I'm taking Locke for sure. Um, Sam Darnold, I have to see something with the Jets first. Um, but I think I like Goff's potential passing volume a little bit more than Cousins, where it seems like they're a run first team. I agree. I would take Locke. I'd probably take Darnold too. Uh, just I don't know. I, I mean, we got to. We keep saying they're going to turn it around. It's got to happen, right? Eventually. But uh, that would be more of a coin flip. As much as I love Captain Clutch, uh, I think Goff throws it more than him in Minnesota, so I take him over Cousins. Akers, RB16 in 2020, over or under? I'm going to take over. Yeah, let's see. RB16 last year was Drake. He scored 189 points, so I am going to say over as well. All right, he is has an ADP of 30. He is the 15th RB off the board. Just ahead of him, Austin Eckler, J.K. Dobbins, and Derrick Henry. Are you taking him over any of those three? I am not. Me, uh, me either, and I, I hate Henry. <laughs> Though I did just trade for him, but. Oh, man, I think it would be hard for me to not take him over Henry. I, I somewhat believe in him, but I just I also think he's – I take Akers. I, I, just, I don't know what Henry's future is going to be. I think it, Henry clearly probably has a better year than Akers this year, but I don't know if he signs for long-term with Tennessee, if someone else even gives him a shot. I know Akers is going to be in Los Angeles for at least the next four years and likely he's going to be a starter. So go ahead and – just go ahead and give me acres at that point. Uh, uh, fast forward to 90 minutes from now when the Titans announce a seven-year contract with Derrick Henry. Ah, Derrick Henry still mm-hmm. sucks. Hashtag 2020. Uh, I got to stay on that train. It's That train's already long going past the station, man. Uh, I'm stuck on that one. Uh, right behind him, Kenyon Drake uh, Jones. Jeez, who, why did I forget who this That'd is? That'd be Aaron Jones, right? I would probably be correct. Aaron Jones because would be other... on Yeah. Who uh, would you take any of those three over? I take all three over him. Uh, I, I, it'd be a coin flip with Swift, but I'd take Drake and Jones over him. Uh, I agree. I think, 
man, I'd probably actually take all three because I love I love DeAndre Swift. I thought he was the best running back coming out, so I would actually take all three. Kind of tells you uh, how much the rookie running back ADP is starting to eat into. I mean, a guy like Aaron Jones, who was RB two last year, I don't think any of us think he's going to score nineteen TDs, but that's quite a precipitous fall there. Yeah, yeah. but it, what if Jones scores what ten or twelve TDs? He's still like RB eight. Yeah. Versus yeah, a guy that we're not, we're not sure yeah. is going to get their their whole role, or what that role is even going to be in uh, Los Angeles. Well, I think a lot of it is just that it's that rookie fever. Everybody, you know, everybody wants a shiny new toy. And I mean, because Dobbins and them are up there really high too. And I mean, I still think Dobbins is going to have a great NFL career, but he's likely sitting behind uh, Ingram at least this year. So uh, yeah, it, it's just it's it's insane to see how high some of these rookies are going. Uh, Darrell Henderson, RB thirty-two in twenty twenty, over or under. Uh, I'm gonna take under. I, you know, I think that's a that's a really good number, but I think he's gonna get because him and Acres are gonna split the majority of Gurley's touches, and maybe a sixty forty split Henderson to. Henderson with the 40 acres with the 60 in the long run. Um, maybe even 50, 50. Uh, I, I'm going to take Henderson. Uh, I'm going to say that he's going to finish uh, just under. I'm going to take the slight over. Okay. So uh, I think we, we think he's going to finish like somewhere between running back 31 and 33. Yeah. I'm going to take the slight over as well. Uh, but as Matt mentioned earlier, and it's exactly why I would take him uh, in drafts because his ADP is 135, so over 100 or about 105 rounds after Akers is going right now, or 80, you know, 105 players, not 105 yeah. rounds. Makes a little bit more sense. And uh, RB 40, 49. Uh, just ahead of them, Anthony McFarland, Damian Williams, and Matt Breida. Are you taking him over any of those three? I'm probably taking him over all of them. Okay. Brita may be a toss-up, but I'm taking him over McFarland and Damian Williams. Uh, yeah, I think I would take him over all three, too. It's it's not clear, too, what how uh, exactly how Breed is going to be used in Miami. Yeah, I'd take him over McFarland and Breed. Uh, not Breed, D-Will. I would still keep Breida just because I think him and, him and Howard are probably going to split the same amount, and I like his – receiving ability Brita's a little bit more than I do Henderson. So I still kind of hold on to Brita there just behind him, uh, Darrington Evans, Joshua Kelly, and Tevin Coleman. Are you taking any of those three over Henderson? Well, Kelly, it comes down to how I'm, how I Kelly and Evans are kind of how I built my team picks. Probably not uh, Coleman. Uh, I can make the case for taking Coleman that, uh, you know, he's going to be in a timeshare and a better running offense. So I can make the case for Coleman pretty easily. But Kelly and Evans, it just depends on uh, how, how – if I've got a lot of running back depth, I may take a chance on one of the rookies, even though Henderson's just, what, his second year? Yeah. yeah. I would not take any of them over Henderson. 
Uh, I would take Evans. I'd probably take Evans and Coleman would be a toss up for me. I'm really big on Evans this year because of my, you know, hate for Derrick Henry. Coleman would be close. It'd probably be a coin flip. Cooper Cup, wide receiver 10 in 2020, over or under? I'm going to say under. I'll say under too. I'm going to go over just because there's a lot of guys who were hurt last year. And I, I like Cup, but I think something, Matt, you mentioned earlier, I think his touchdowns have come down a little bit more. And if some of those other guys that kind of finished outside the top 12 raise up, I think he drops out just outside. I think he's 11 or 12 uh, this year. ADP of 39, wide receiver 17 off the board. Just ahead of him, Sutton, Calvin Ridley, and Allen Robinson. You taking him over any of those three? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to revise mine and say over. Um, as I go, I've been working on, I, and while they're standard rankings, uh, I've been working on my updates, and I've got Cooper down fairly substantially. So, uh, and a half PPR, I think I, I think he's going to be just over. Um, I'm going to take Sutton over him, and uh, oh, there, Sutton's going ahead of him. Are you taking? Okay. Oh, him. Uh, I'm taking him over Ridley, and okay. and probably a Rod. A Rob. I wouldn't take him over any of those three. I think I'd take him I, over I Ridley. Sold on Ridley. I don't know yeah. what it is. I'm just not sold on him. Like he's good. My 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 argument in it because Ridley proved that he could be a very good wide receiver too last year. But that that's my thing is he's still the two. Julio's going to be the one there. And I know Atlanta is probably going to still throw the ball a lot. But as Dennis, you mentioned earlier, Cup is Goff's go-to guy. Cup is going to be the one for that offense. Give me the one in the offense. Sutton's going to be the one. I think A-Rob's going to be the one. So give me Cup. He's going to be the one. Ridley is good, but he's going to be the like the third option. And I agree. He's probably I, – I think he might be the second option behind Julio. But he uh, – give me Cup. He, he's the number one in that offense. So I, I'll take him over them. Just behind him, DK Metcalf, Stephon Diggs, and CeeDee Lamb. Are you taking any of those three over Cup? No. Um, I'm going to take Lamb. I'm not saying you should, but. I know. Because of that, that, that Cowboys star is beating in your chest right now. Yeah, I no, would. Uh, no, I actually, that that's the reason why I would hesitate <laughs> more because of, I don't know, but I just, I just like him. I mean, it, it, yeah, I'm going to, to give the, uh, the in the middle answer that Dennis likes to give, depending on how I'm building my team. If I'm building it for younger players, I'm going to go Lamb. Otherwise, I'm not taking Matt Caffer Diggs over him. But in all honesty, depending on how I built my team, I might go Lamb. I, I still think he's going to be a stud, uh, especially once Dak's not the quarterback anymore. I'm just you know, I, I got to be honest that there's probably we we could be somewhere between two to three weeks away from me thinking that Metcalf is the next Julio Jones. So, hey, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. So, Robert Woods, wide receiver 19 in 2020. Now that Matt gave his his uh, little thing earlier, I feel like that's way too low on him. I'm, I'm definitely taking the, the under on that. But what about you guys? Yeah, I'll take under too. Yeah. ADP of 52, he is the 25th wide receiver off the board. Uh, McLaurin, Judy, and Chark are going just ahead of him. Are you taking him over any of those three? Take him over, Chark. 
I'd, I'd take him over Judy. Chark yeah, would be a coin flip, but uh, I'm all about McLaurin. If I've got to stay on brand like I did with Cup, I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, Judy, I, I, I don't know. I need to see it out of lock in that offense that he can support more than one wide receiver first. Uh, I already know Goff can do it with Woods. So I'm going to take Woods. Uh, I've, Chark's the one. And so is McLaurin. So I'm, I'm going to keep them. Uh, just behind him, Curtis Samuel, Tyler Lockett, and Adam Thielen taking any of those three over him. Nope. Does it change is your it, is feeling it Curtis about or is it Debo? It's Debo. Good call. I was actually missing. It's, it's got to be Debo. It's Debo. It's Debo. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't take any of those over him. But uh, just to be clear, Robert Woods was number one in targets for the Rams last year. It's last year. It's a new year, baby. Cooper up all the way. It was only like it was him. only four targets. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm with you guys. I would not take any of those three over Woods. Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds. I'm going to keep them together here on the number. Depending can on, we just on call them Van Reynolds so that they could be like Van, Van Reynolds? Reynolds. Three. Josh Jefferson. Well, I guess, who who do you guys believe in? Who do you think is going to be that three? Do you think it's going to be Reynolds or do you think it's going to be Van Jefferson? I think it's going to be unimportant. Yeah, I think it'll be relatively unimportant, but I do think it's going to be Reynolds. I think Jefferson is the heir apparent to Cooper Cup. All right, so we'll go with Reynolds then. Wide receiver 38, over or under? Over. Over. I'll go over as well. ADP 199, wide receiver 82 off the board. Just ahead of him, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Tyler Johnson, and Miles Boykin. Would you take Reynolds over any of those three? Probably Johnson. I guess over Boykin. Yeah, I mean, I can make the case for Boykin because he's the third option on that team, and they're not going to throw the. They're probably going to throw the ball the least amount in the NFL over the next few years. Um, yeah. So there's a strong case for Boykin. Yeah, I would take him over Boykin and probably Johnson, but Johnson would be a coin flip for me. Just I, just, I like AGG as a stash better. That's, yeah, oh, I agree with you. Yeah. AGG wouldn't even be a thought. He, he would easily be the one for me. Uh, just behind him, Steven Sims, Antonio Brown, and J.J. Arthago. White side, you taking any of those three over Reynolds? Sometimes I'm taking Sims. It's These are, these are all these guys that I'm kind of rolling the dice on as we get there, and it's like, you know, I kind of pull them into a group. And just grab one. I, I mean, I think I just set J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in my queue in one league. And, and I'm like, all right, I, I'll, I'll draft him. We're, we're at that point. He's got as good a shot as being relevant as anybody else that's available. I like Steven Sims, so I'd probably take him. I've taken a few shares um, on the off chance that he ends up being wide receiver two there. All right, I'm just going to give Van Jefferson's really quick, uh, but he is actually going off the board ahead of Reynolds with an ADP of 176, wide receiver 73. Uh, don't have to worry about that. That one stuff since we kind of leaned Reynolds or said it was not really important. Tyler Higby, tight end 10 in 2020, over or under? I think under. Tight end 10. I'm going to say under as well. I'm going to go over just slightly. Tight end 11 for me. ADP of a, ADP of 103. He's the 11th tight end off the board. J. 
just ahead of them, Goddard, Hawkinson, and Henry. You taking him over any of those three? Uh, I'm taking him over Goddard for sure. I'm not taking him over Hawkinson. And Henry's, man, Henry's close. I don't think I'd take him over any of those three. Yeah, it'd be tough for me to take him over any of those three. I just I, I got it long long run. I think he's going to be the better tight end. I like Hawkinson and Henry a lot as well. Uh, just behind him, Mike Gusecki, Austin Hooper, and Hayden Hurst. Are you taking any of those three over Higby? I can make the case for Gusecki just because he's a couple years younger. Yeah, I think Gusecki's the one that I would consider taking too, but I probably would take Higby over all three of those right now. I would take Gasicki, but I've been I've been big on Gasicki this offseason. I think he's going to take a big step forward. Uh, and then Gerald Everett to finish out the Rams, tied in 20 in 2020. Over, under? Uh, over. Yeah, I'm going to take the over. Uh, as well, I ADP of 204, tight end 30 off the board, just ahead of them, Adam Troutman, Dawson Knox, and David Njoku, taking him over any of those three. Nope. Uh, sorry, let me get back. Where were they? Um, it's a no for me, dog, as well. You know, I there, there's so much unknown with Troutman. Small school guy. He's probably three years away, so I'm probably not taking him anywhere for another couple years. Um, you know, Knox is at the top of the pecking order uh, in in Buffalo, so I'd probably take take him over Everett. And Njoku, I, I probably, I think I'm taking Njoku over Everett as well. Just behind him, Will Disley, Greg Olson, and Devin Asiasi. Taking any of those three over Everett? Nope. I'm going to take Disley and Asiasi because, you know, Everett's not a guy I would be grabbing because I thought I was ever going to have to start him week to week. Yeah, I don't think I take any. At that point, I probably just punt tight end altogether and keep grabbing other players, but that's just me. So the Arizona Cardinals, 5-10 and 10 last year. Uh, uh, what kind of step forward do you guys see from Murray and Kingsbury in year two? I'll let Matt take this one. Well, you know, I liked what we saw from Kyler Murray. I'm not sure I'm 100% a believer in Cliff Kingsbury or the Arizona Cardinals. I am a believer that they have zero defensive chance, so uh, they will be, you know, throwing the ball and doing some things. I still don't. There are people talking about them possibly being the second best team in the division, making the playoffs. I I still think they're going to be the fourth best team in that division. Yeah, I, I, I've been sold on them. I mean, Dennis knows from last year I was big on Murray. Uh, I think Kingsbury is going to continue to to build this offense around him. Adding a guy like Hopkins helps, and then Drake, if he can stay healthy. I, I see big things for Arizona. Can't wait to get to our prediction episodes because I feel like I'm going to surprise some people with my Arizona Cardinal thoughts. So, new additions. They traded uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. They signed Kenyon Drake to the – was a franchise tag, correct, is what he signed, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. Transition uh, or franchise, whatever it was. 
Fitzgerald signs a one-year deal. Their losses and expiring contracts. They traded DJ and then Fitzgerald and Kenyon Drake will also both likely – their deals are up after the season. Can't say they'll both be gone, but their deals will be up after this year. Fantasy finishes. Kyler Murray, QB8 with 282.3 points. Kenyon Drake, RB18 with 173.4. Hopkins – Wide receiver three, 217.5, although that was with Houston. Fitzgerald, wide receiver 37, 134.4. Kirk, wide receiver 41, 124.1. And Clay, tight end 44 with 38.7 points. That was ridiculously hard to find, by the way. Second-year leap or a sophomore slump for Kyler Murray? What do you guys think? I, I feel like... He's going to be less efficient, um, but the volume is going to be there. Uh, the 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 reduced efficiency is going to come from um, teams figuring that offense out a little bit better. I, I know Hopkins is going to help him, uh, you know, having a, a stud wide receiver like that. But you know, I I've never I, I haven't been sold on Murray, and I'm not sold on Kingsbury either. So. I, I feel like it'll be a game or two improvement maybe, but that's about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess what are we defining as taking a, a taking a leap? But, you know, I think. Better than what he did last year. I'm not, know. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything miraculously better. Did he, will he do better than he will last year? Like, uh, was oh my god, why did his name just jump out of my like Josh Allen? Or are we seeing like a Sam Darnold Baker Mayfield step back? It doesn't have to be that dramatic of a step back, but a step back. I mean, fantasy wise, obviously when we did our rankings, I had him up in the top five, so No wait. Did I have him two, I, two or three? One of I was gonna two. say I didn't have him too. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't have him too. This guy did. Yeah, no, I, I, I had him at four, so you know, I'm, I guess I'm seeing him. So that would be that would be a step forward. Yeah. More passing yards, Kyler Murray or Joe Burrow? That's a tough one, actually. Um, Kyler Murray. I'll go. I'll go Murray. I think Hopkins is going to eat. Christian Kurt's got to be good eventually, right? We all loved him. Well, I mean. But we know Tyler Boyd is good. We know A.J. Green is good. We've seen Auden Tate make some fantastic catches. And, and John Ross and T. Higgins there, Joe Mixon. So I, I feel like the Bengals have improved their overall offense more than, than the uh, Cardinals did, despite the fact the Cardinals added DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess if we're going to – Call for I, I'm going to say Murray just because I think they're going to be behind more. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had Murray ahead of Joe Burrow. So, okay, thought it was an interesting question. It was actually kind of a tough answer for me, but I but I like it. All right, so if Drake stays healthy, do we think he's the guy to carry the load for Arizona? Yes. Yeah, I think everything they did, giving him the franchise tag, moving David Johnson, suggests that they think that too. All right, just got to stay healthy. That, I guess, is going to be the biggest thing for him. Hopkins was a stud in Houston, uh, but that did come with a lot of volume. We know that regardless if he had two, three, six defenders covering him, 
Watson was forcing the ball to Hopkins, and he was usually coming down with it. Do we see any kind of fall from him going to Arizona based solely on possibly not getting the volume he got in Houston? I think we see his numbers coming down based solely on the fact that if you look at top wide receivers changing teams, they historically suffer a, a, a reduction in their statistical output. It, it, if anybody could could not have that happen, I guess it could be Nuke, but I, I'm expecting him to, to have some regression. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair assumption, too. If you looked at last year for the Cardinals, they had two guys over 100 targets, 109 for Fitzgerald, 108 for Kirk, but that's nowhere near the kind of target share that he was getting in Houston. You figure, you know, those guys are still there. He's going to take some targets away from them, but you could end up with, uh, you know, more more passing work for the running backs because last year – you know, Drake and Johnson combined were um, only about 90 targets. So it's just he's probably on, you know, an offense with a few more options. And also he's on a he he's on a team where you have to wonder if Murray, if they start rolling coverage to DeAndre Hopkins because he's the best player on the field and other guys come open, is Murray going to hit the other guys where it seemed like Watson was like, I'm looking around. I know there's 27 people on you, DeAndre, but I'm still throwing you the ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that volume was amazing. So are Fitz, Kirk, or my guy, Hakeem Butler, at all fantasy relevant in 2020? I think Kirk is. I think Kirk is going to be the clear number two wide receiver. Um, Fitzgerald, I – you know, he, he's going to be a bi-week prayer, I think. Yeah, I mean, we keep thinking Fitzgerald's going to take a step back. One of these days, uh, you know, one of these years it's actually going to happen. I think uh, Kirk is likely to be their number two receiver um, also. So I think he will take a little step back. Akeem Butler, wide receiver 26 this year. You heard it here first. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I agree. It's probably going to be Kirk. Uh, I'll be interested to see what Fitz can do. I mean, he finishes wide receiver 37 last year. That's not bad, depending on how deep of a league you're playing in. I'm wondering if maybe having a guy like Hopkins and then Kirk on the outside when he's healthy might free up some room uh, for Fitzgerald because of this next question. Is tight end worth drafting at all in Arizona? Who's the tight end in Arizona? I think it's still Charles Clay. I honestly don't it, know. It, actually, it's not. It's Dan Arnold. It's Dan Arnold. I did the research. I take that back. Uh, Do we trust Dan Arnold? No. <laughs> I didn't even know Charles Clay was still alive. He wasn't. Like, uh, kicking in the end. Even last he year. Right? He was the tight end from last year. It's Dan Arnold, Darrell Daniels, whoever that is, and Max Williams. That is all the tight ends they have on their roster. I'm going to say they have receivers and running backs, and they don't really need tight end. Yeah, that's the basis of Kingsbury's offense. All right, over and unders before we get out of here today. Let's start with the quarterback position. Oh, Kyler Murray. I know where me and Matt are going on this one. QB7, I am going under. What about you two? I'm going to go under, too. 
I think I had him at QB five, if I remember correctly. So oh, did you? I didn't remember where you had him at. All right, so we're all going under. Wait a minute. I might have had him at seven, actually. You but... had him at six. Okay. Okay. Yeah, nothing like that. Lamar Jackson at five call. It's, God, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that to come true. Uh, ADP of fifty seven. He is the third quarterback off the board, just ahead of him. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. I can't imagine you are taking him over one of those two, but would would if you guys take him over Mahomes? I was going to call him Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, or Patrick Mahomes. No, I would take him over Lamar Jackson. Yeah, let's go. I like it. You know what? A lot. I'm not taking him over Mahomes ever, but uh, I would take him over Lamar. I like it. All that, right, just that's kind of personal preference. Also, I try as hard as humanly possible not to have any you know what? But I have questions whether Jackson's going to be able to physically endure his playing style. Hey, I like it. You're, you're placating to the host, and I love it. I love it. It, may, it makes my heart happy. Right behind him, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson. You taking any of those three over Murray? If I remember my rankings correctly, I'm taking all of them over Murray. <laughs> Uh, I might take um, Dak over him. Well, if we're going strictly on our rankings, I'm not taking any of them over Murray because I had Murray at two. Uh, it would be close for Watson for me. I still believe in Watson for the most part, but I'd still probably take Murray over him. Uh, I would just for maybe like one out of ten times, I'd take Watson just to kind of divvy up my shares a little bit. Uh, but we all know I don't do that, so I usually draft the same players all the time. Canyon Drake, RB13 in 2020, over or under? I'm going to go with under. Uh, I'm going to go, boy. I I, I feel like o- over is, is where I'm at with it. But it's... Well, we'll, know, we'll know two Thursdays from now. Yeah, <laughs> do our running back rankings. Yeah. yeah. What was that number 13? 13. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to go over uh, in part because I feel like I, I don't think, I still think they're going to struggle to score some. And when they do score, it's going to be uh, more in the passing game. Um, I do think Drake is the guy there, though. Uh, he's the unquestioned starter. So, I mean, but when I look at the list of people, you know, it's it's kind of a push, but I'll I'll say over. Thanks for letting me work through that. <laughs> and welcome, on uh, two Thursdays from now, when Dennis has Kenyon Drake as RB, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go slight over as well. Um, I, I think 13 is probably where I'm going to end up having him. Uh, or right at 12. I, I think this is like the perfect range for him. Take a little bit of step forward. I'm, just, I'm worried he's going to miss like a game maybe two because he always seems to get hurt or banged up a little bit, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they try and, and, and split some of the workload if he does get hurt because they've got all the – Eno Benjamin, Chase Edmonds, they've got people who they can come in and, and take some reps if he gets banged up. ADP of 32, he is RB16 off the board just ahead of him. Cam Akers, Austin Eckler, and J.K. Dobbins. Are you taking him over any of those three? I'm probably I, – I, 
lately I tend to be shying away from the rookies in startups, and so I'd probably take him over Acres and Dobbins. I would also take him over Acres and Dobbins. I would take – see, I want to take him over Acres, but I just said like 30 minutes ago I would take Acres over Drake, so I can't say that. Now, I definitely wouldn't take him over Dobbins, but that's just because I think Dobbins is going to be a stud. Um, fuck it. I'm going to take Drake over Acres. Whatever. Under Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, and guys, Leonard. Guys, Burnett. just listen to the first half of the podcast. Take a couple weeks off. And come back for this Arizona Cardinals split between multiple days. Yeah, just forget I said anything about Acres. I'm off him now. I'm off him. Fuck it. Uh, but Aaron Jones, Swift, and Fournette, you taking any of those three over Drake? Oh, we lost Matt. Um, I'm taking. I'm probably taking Jones, and, and I'm I'm definitely taking Fournette. Yeah, it, I would. Uh, Jones though. Jones, I think easily for me. Uh, see, Fournette would be tough. So, so would Swift. I really think Swift's going to be good for Detroit. And, and I mean, I get that you're probably getting the split year this year, but maybe it's because I look at these too much like from a dynasty perspective. And just knowing that I'm going to have Swift for four years in Detroit, I think he's going to be the guy for four years in Detroit. I don't know what's going to happen with Drake. I think I'd take Jones and Swift for sure. Fournette, I'd probably be a coin flip. I just don't know what I think Jacksonville's going to do. What about you, Matt? Uh, I would probably take Jones and Fournette. Um, you know, I'm with you in the sense that it would be nice to know. Here's another one where he's on the franchise tag. You know, sometimes we've seen guys on the franchise tag. They just run the crap out of them and then let yeah. them move on. Um, it's hard to tell if they really like him long term or if they just wanted to make sure they had another year to find out. All right. DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver five in 2020, over or under? push yeah it's kind of where i'm at i'm i guess i'm gonna take uh even look at what the list looks like adams i'm gonna say under i'm gonna say under he's i feel like he's gonna be in the three four range yeah i'll go slight under too I will as well. I still think he's going to be a stud, but that may be because I own him in so many leagues, and that's I, I, I can't give up on him. ADP of eight, he is the second wide receiver off the board. Just ahead of him is Michael Thomas. I assume none of us are taking him over, Thomas? No. Just behind him, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and Chris Godwin. I would take Adams over him. Godwin, a coin flip. I would not take Tyreek Hill. What about you two? Uh, in my current rankings that I'm working on, I currently have him behind Adams and Godwin. So I'm going to say right now that, yeah, I would take uh, them over him. Um, not Hill. Hill is behind him. Wait. You said you had him ranked over them in your current rankings. I have Adams and Godwin. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I would. I, I mean, first of all, Chris Godwin. I don't know how to quit you. So that wasn't even a question. You yeah, don't even look that. at the rankings. You just hit the button. Um, him and Adams, a little bit of a toss-up for me. I, I think Adams will have a better season. I forgot until you mentioned it that he's in a contract year, and also he, you know, 
Hopkins is in a high-volume passing offense, and they just moved to get him. Adams, we think, might end up in a low-volume pass offense. So I I think Adams might finish 2020 higher than Hopkins, but I would still rather have Hopkins for the long term, so I'd probably still take him. Christian Kirk, wide receiver 32 in 2020, over or under? I'm going to call for the under. Do we know what he was last year? 36. Uh, well, he, my my I, half point, he was uh, 41, but I don't, I don't, I'd have the full point. And I also only do through week 16, so that yeah. might have changed. Then. Yeah, hold on. I'm looking full full PPR. He was 38. So I, I'm i going to take you, – you said 32? 32. 32, yes. I'm going to take the over. Uh, I'm going to take the slight under. I think having Hopkins is going to help him out. He's just got to stay healthy. Uh, ADP of 76, wide receiver 36, just ahead of him. Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, and Hollywood Brown. You taking him over any of those three? No, I don't think so. No, I'm not taking him over those either. I mean, he had 108 targets last year. It's not like he didn't get volume. Yeah, that's the argument I make when I'm trying to convince myself to to take between him and Hollywood Brown. You know, how many targets is Brown really going to get? And it's sort of, I go back and forth with those two. Gallup and Landry, it's pretty easy for me. But yeah, yeah, Hollywood would be the close one for me. But I'd, I'd probably still go him because I think he's got a little bit more boom than Kirk does. Right behind him, Henry Ruggs, Michael Pittman, and T. Higgins. You taking any of those three over Creek? Got a little rookie fever going on back there. Yeah. Um. You know, we're coming back again to the how how my team's built. Do <laughs> do, do I need a veteran floor, or, or can I take a, a a rookie and not have to count on him for a couple years? Well, if you take rugs, you may want to not have to count on him for all the years. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably definitely take Kirk over rugs, but Pittman and Higgins, I, I feel like, have a very consistent and large upside. Yeah, I would take Pittman and Higgins. As would I. Would not uh, be much of a question for me on those. I, I, I think the real, the real problem for Kirk is Hopkins is not an old player. You know, when it yeah. was him and Larry Fitzgerald, you could make the argument that, it, you know, sooner or later it's going to be Christian Kirk's team. I don't know that you can make that argument anymore. Well, and, and not only that, you have to add, and they have a stud in Hakeem Butler who's going to break out this year, and that's going to that's going to drop Kirk at the depth party. I, I'm not seeing Hakeem Butler on this. Oh, my God. You oh, I'm kind of high. He is on here, actually. I made sure to put him on this show sheet. I uh, guess he's so more relevant than Dan Arnold, so. Yeah. Well, he's no Andy Isabella. I don't get Andy Isabella. He sucks. Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver, thirty-seven, over or under? I think he's going to be over. I, th- I, I think Fitz is hanging on one year too long. Yeah, I think he's going to be over too. There's just there's not going to be enough uh, volume to support three receivers being in the top forty. I agree with you on that. ADP of 220, wide receiver 92, just ahead of him. Randall Cobb, his teammate Andy Isabella, and Kelvin Harmon. Are you taking any of those three over Fitz? 
Sometimes. <laughs> uh, I probably lean Harmon just based on the age. If it's l- this late and, and it's a best ball, so 220 were what, 18th round, 17th round. In a best ball, I might grab Isabella. And then Cobb actually had a decent season last year, and, and Houston's wide open. So I guess I, I would take probably Har- Harmon and Cobb over Fitz. I would take Cobb over him. That's it. Yeah, Cobb for sure. Har- as much as I love Harmon, I, I think AJG is probably better. So I, I don't know if I if I can trust Harmon to – to ever really break out. Hakeem Butler, is this even really a question? Wide receiver 44 hey, over. You skipped over the the typo. Oh, yeah. They laugh, and they, apparently Under Lady Gaga is being drafted just behind Lady Larry. For, yes. I assume that you mean Russell, Russell Gage. Yeah, Russell Gage, yeah. <laughs> Russell Gaga, MBS, or Mohamed Sanu. You taking any of those three over Fitz? I'm definitely taking Lady Gaga over him. Yeah. Same. 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 Um, I'm taking Sanu over him. Uh, Gage, you know, I I didn't follow him close enough when he came on last year, so I still don't know enough about him. Um, I'd probably take, you know, honestly, I'd probably take all all three of them and MVS and and Russell Gage basically because Fitzgerald is 100 and they're 25. Yeah, I was about to call a party foul on that one because you pump up them VS like every other episode, it seems. If you weren't going to take him over Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, come on. You got to stay on brand here, Dennis. You're the reason I have like five shares of MVS because of the drafts (laughs) in the last couple of months. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Yeah, I I would take uh, all three. Matt, what about you? uh, You know, I mean, you're talking about a collection of probably wide receiver threes. I think I'd still take Fitzgerald over them. All right, now back to the best wide receiver on that team outside of DeAndre Hopkins, Hakeem Butler, wide receiver 44, over, under? Any Way takers over. under? Way Any over. takers on the under? I'm taking the under. Is wide receiver 189 over? I believe it is. Is, yeah. uh, uh, is are we talking with the Cardinals or his next team? <laughs> are we talking about in the, X, in the third iteration of the XFL? The CFL. This year. This year, just you watch. Much like my hate for Lamar Jackson, I will continue to support my boy Hakeem Butler. I just threw him on there for fun because I mean he's on there with guys like Riley Ridley. I don't even know who Joe Reed is. So, Joe yeah, Reed is uh, the rookie that they took uh, for the Chargers. For the people that don't understand that KJ Hill is better. Gotcha. Yes, he is better. All right. So Dan Arnold, even though tight ends really don't matter in Arizona, tight end thirty four over or under. Is he simply going at tight or oh you're just projecting tight end thirty four? I was gonna say yeah, I'm projecting. Are people tight just end. drafting him because he exists? Yes, starter from the Arizona. I'm gonna go over. <laughs> yeah, me as well. As am I. Yes, as you will see now here in the over unders, why he he is uh, just being drafted. Uh, ADP of two forty. He is the forty first tight end off the board. Just ahead of him, Josh Oliver, Caden Smith, and Khalil Waring. Are you taking any him over any of those three? Maybe Smith, but I'm taking Which Oliver and Waring over over Arnold. I mean, at that point in time, I feel like it doesn't it doesn't matter. Well, so here, here'd be my case for taking him over Smith. 
So Arnold is fairly athletic. So he's a four six five four seven guy, I think. Caden Smith ran a four nine. Yes, he came out of Stanford, but you know he he was one of those run five yards, catch the ball, fall down kind and of tight end. Is is Caden Smith the backup in for the Giants? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Backs up yeah the only reason I would one say that that would be you'd have to take him is because Evan Ingram's good for about five games a year, which means Caden Smith's gonna. Probably start double digit games. Now let's see here. They, I feel like the Giants have somebody else there as well. Well, they um, they moved to sign Not Ritten, really. but yeah, uh, yeah. So and they also have uh, based on the ADP data here. There's literally no other tight ends being drafted after Dan Arnold. So they also have Levine, Toilolo, and Eric. Tomlinson on the Giants uh, behind Caden Smith and everything. Yeah, I think they're going to be running a bunch of four wide. You know, maybe, maybe my guy Corey Coleman will make the field if Shepard gets hurt. Man, you know what? If Corey Coleman and MVS have like one week where both of them make it into the wide res- top 50 wide receivers, we're going to have to tranquilize Dennis to make <laughs> it through a show. <laughs> All right, that will do it for us today. That finishes up the NFC. We will be back on next Monday with AFC stuff. We might be back on Thursday. I unfortunately kind of broke part of my laptop this weekend. So depending on how quickly I can get that fixed, uh, if I can, we will be back on Thursday. If not, we will see you guys again on Monday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will talk to you guys again soon. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>